Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast where we talk about uh, buying and selling small businesses. Today I am here with uh, Zoran Sarbaka. I know I butchered your name again. We practiced this the other day a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> did I get it closer that time? Yeah, very good, very good. Sarabaka or Sarabacha. Well, I got, I got worse. I got Zambuka, I got Chewbacca, so it's good. Sambuca is a horrible tasting alcohol. When I was in the military, I used to keep it in the refrigerator because yeah, uh, in the freezer because it tastes like black licorice, right? And yeah, uh, not, none of the doormates would uh, steal it from me because they didn't like it. So if I wanted something <laughs> to my own, I had to get something that I only I would drink. <laughs> so you uh, will know that you knew you're going to meet one of them in the future. So there you go. <laughs> so uh, you've been a business broker for over 18 years. And, and, and I was reading a little bit about you. It says you uh, become a business broker out of the frustration of trying to sell your own electrical uh, business um, uh, years ago. Um, you, you just thought you could do, you know, build a better brokerage. You could treat uh, clients better is what it looked like. That appealed to me. And then I'm really curious. I have some friends that live in Australia. You are from Australia. And I'm curious of the similarities and difference between uh, people like myself who buy and sell businesses, you know, between the U.S. and Australia and some other uh, areas of the world. So uh, I think we just uh, we jump in. Let's just get to know you. And uh, I, I always ask the first question I always ask is just kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into the space and, and uh, share something interesting that listeners might find uh, amusing or interesting to connect with you. And uh, let's just start there. All right. Look, uh, I'm, I always... I thought I was always going to end up in business. I did. It happened much faster than what I thought. So I never worked for anybody else. I had a couple of contracting jobs for a few months, uh, but most of my life I was self-employed. So it came from my father. My father had a quite large business in Libya, out of all places, in the 1970s. Uh, Libya used to be a bit like Saudi Arabia before the crash of. Uh, 2008, so there was a lot, lot of American money, a lot of European money, a lot of European and American companies actually uh, working in Libya. Doing started because of the oil, and then from there they, they started doing infrastructure and few other things. My father was involved in uh, water infrastructure developments, and he had about you know, from the memory about well, I don't remember any of that, but from what he was saying to me. Back then, we had about 300 people employed. And then in 1970, when I was born, it was the same time when Gaddafi came to power and started nationalizing companies, so they had to leave. So then they moved to Croatia. Well, back then, Yugoslavia, now Croatia, for a few years, and then to Serbia. And I grew up in Serbia. In and He always had the businesses, and I was kind of groomed or brought up in there's only one way you got to be in control of your own destiny and if you want to do that you you run your own business so then in uh, 
91, 1991 trouble in old Yugoslavia started and um, I had two choices, to join the army or uh, to leave. So I chosen to, to leave and ended up in Australia in 91. And that's how everything started. That's, that, that's how I ended up being here. Uh, back then, 21 years of age and um, with uh, hardly any life experience. But when you're 21, you think you know it all. <laughs> so, so I started a business, age of 21. And uh, th th that was the beginning of uh, me coming to the country and actually starting a business. Uh, but what happened then, uh, a lot of people don't, often when you talk to people, they ask you, oh, what would you do different? Like, and what would you wish you knew uh, when you started a business? And my answer is just about everything. You know, like I didn't know everything. I just jumped into it and, and learned the hard way and learned all my mistakes. And so about... From memory, about seven years into business, uh, we invested some money in some real estate and there was a bit of real estate adjustment and a few other issues here and I needed to, got myself in a little bit of trouble and the only, the quickest way to get me out of trouble was to sell the business and I put the business on the market with a few of the, well, not a few of the brokers, I interviewed a few of the brokers, went to, with the one that I thought there was the... Um, best uh, match for for what we needed to do and uh, I, I was a bit disappointed with type of um, service that, that, that we received uh, in in a nutshell was okay you give us your business we put it on a few websites and somebody may gonna come and if they come we send them to talk to you and and you sell your business and if you sell your business you give us some money and, but, but I was not getting inquiries and I was a bit confused. Why not? Like why no one is looking at that. So I bought a few books. <laughs> I bought them from Amazon from United States. And so, so you're talking 2000 something like Amazon was in its infancy. I, I think I ordered five books and took about 28 days and they were all <laughs> coming <laughs> one book every four or five days. So I read through it and get some idea how to do it, put it together, put it on the market. And it took me about four weeks to sell it. And that's how I got into business broking. And by the way, that's how a lot of people get into business broking. You try yourself, you either like it or you don't like it. Or you think you can do it better and you get no, no, no one ever goes to school to become a business broker. It's interesting. It's interesting. <clears throat> here in the uh, United States or in, at least in Oklahoma, uh, every state here is a little different, but here in Oklahoma, the, uh, you don't actually have to have any formal license to be a business broker, right? So uh, you can like, put a business card together, say you're a business broker, and go out and buy and sell businesses. Uh, some states actually have it fairly regulated. <coughs> but uh, just like any other business, uh, you end up in these, like a business broker or any other business, for one of many reasons. Most of the time... Uh, I do hear a lot of businesses like they think they can do it better. Like that's the number one reason. Like I, I, I tried using the service. I didn't like it. I think I could do it better. So I jumped into it to fix a wrong. Right. Or, you know, like they think it opens an opportunity. When I first got into mergers and acquisitions, one of my teammates went and bought a business brokerage because he thought it would be a great source of leads. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'll, I'll just filter everything that, you know, Anything I think you want, we'll, we'll evaluate and everything else we'll put on the market for other people. And uh, he didn't realize, uh, or I don't think he realized 
how much of a business you know business broker is he needs to market it for there's a lot of work that goes in that um i've seen a few deals but uh like i don't think it's going as well as what he thought like i, th- I think um I-, I bought a few business brokerages from 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 people like your your friend to yeah. pull into thinking it's much easier and they said listen just get me out of here all right like let's just do the deal give me anything i just want to clear up you do need to see look first there's quite quite a few points you mentioned there one was about licensing and look i i don't think necessarily not having a license is a good thing because it's heavily licensed here in australia but it's a real estate license right and you do both real estate and business, and very quickly you figure out that they've got nothing to do with each other. So there's a lot of constraints, a lot of issues that we have to, because of the licensing, to deal with, which are really not applicable to businesses whatsoever. So it becomes a burden. It just becomes this red tape that's not necessary. I'm a big believer in, you know, the, it's a, it's a core of every invention, competition. So anybody who wants to go into industry should be able to. Um, government licensing, it's not necessary uh, in many places where it exists. But people got a choice. You can either join one of these organizations, you can do it on your own. All right? Now, the reason why a lot of these businesses don't work very well, it's a low barrier to entry. So people think, how sweet is this? All right, I'm going to make a 10% of every sale and I don't need anything. I can do this from, you know, laptop and I'm going to have this fantastic lifestyle and I'm going to do this $5 million deal and I'm going to make a $500,000. It's, <laughs> it's not that easy. And, and a lot of these things are not run. They're run like agencies, not like a businesses. And that's another problem because um, the, the whole... Problem with the business broking from the business point of view uh, or challenge is there are two distinct uh, pipelines. One is getting a leads in in order to sell, and that it could it could take about three years negotiating with somebody before you take them to the market. And then once when you got them, you got to sell them. But also when you're selling a business, there's two things to it. One is finding a buyer for the business, and at the beginning that's hard. But as your network and grows and like our database of buyers it's in thousands i think it's about thirty-seven thousand people that we got so i can go into our database and say okay i've got a conditioning business in such and such area and i can filter it get to 100 people that they already told me that that's what they're looking for and i get to send them an email instantly um but 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 that's the first part once when you find a buyer your process of it's not selling anymore, but it's actually uh, obstacle of overcoming. So as once when you go to buy, a buyer is going to look at it and say, well, I don't like the way this is structured. I don't like the way that the handover is going to be done. We're going to see the problems. And each time when the problem arises, you're going to resolve the find a solution uh, to, to the problem until you get it to the end. And you bought a few businesses and you know that's exactly once we start due diligence, that's where the issues are popping up. Even if you're very prepared for the due diligence, because your situation may gonna be different to seller situation. And certain things work very well for the seller, but they don't work very well for you. So I'll give you an example. We were in the middle of the deal 
and they wanted to buy the company, they wanted to buy the corporation, not, not, not business assets, for one reason or the other. main reason was for, because there was about 700 contracts, and otherwise you'd have to reassign all these 700 contracts if you buy the company. So you, you need to resolve that issue before the deal comes through. And so, so, so what happens here, why it's really hard to find a good business broker, because it's a different skill to somebody who's good in finding a broker, uh, finding a buyer, to somebody who knows how to actually overcome the the uh, issue like this, and we, well, in our organization we got about twenty people that sell businesses and ten people that support them. So we got a different people that look for the business and different people that selling businesses. So the brokers actually don't look the hundred percent of their time is on selling businesses. And the reason why it took eighteen years to get it to this stage, the hardest part for me was to find the talent. To find people, they are able to do both parties to hold the deal together, to be to, 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 to control the emotional part of the both buyers and the sellers, and at the same time have enough knowledge about businesses in order to overcome the issues as they come. So the accountants are normally really good at that. They know how to how to resolve the issues, how to work on the on the businesses. <laughs> They're not really good in holding a relationship with the people. So you're going to find a good salesperson that's really good in holding a relationship, but they don't understand the business. So it takes a particular type of person, and a lot of them are ex-consultants, uh, ex-business owners uh, um, that actually lived through business life already, uh, but, but successful business life, not just any business life. And uh, th that's why, in my opinion, it's hard to find a, a good business broker. But it's not impossible. Like I'm sure in, in, in there's, a, there's a lot of good guys in states in all over the world that do this. I think, <clears throat> I think you hit a really good point there. And uh, one of the things I, I think that you hit on is the problem solving. I think I, I've always considered myself a, a really decent problem solver. And I've also you know, look for other problem solving type people for my business. And I'm pretty much at the conclusion that it's only about 3% of the population is actually really good at seeing a problem like a, you know, like kind of a, a mixed up puzzle and being able to quickly find the pieces, put them where they need to go and solve it and move forward. I, I honestly think it's uh, one of the rare uh, forms of, you know, existence as a human <laughs> to just naturally see problems and go, okay, I can come up with an opportunity out of that, sort that out. So uh, I can see where a lot of brokers run into that. Uh, having evaluated quite a few businesses, um, I don't, when, when I see a problem or an obstacle, I don't actually, you know, turn like a lot of people would and say, okay, this thing has a huge problem. Uh, you know, I can look at them and try to untangle them myself. Um, one of my last businesses was actually a uh, for stopping foreclosures and dealing with negotiating with banks and uh, untangling short sales and stuff like that. And that was nothing but problems. So, uh, you know, but I can see that. I can see where, like, I think in the U.S., the statistics are like, it's higher than 80%. So higher than 80%, and I'm sure one of my listeners will correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but <laughs> higher than 80% of all businesses ever listed by a business broker don't sell here. And I think you hit it right on the head. It's because they can, they know how to market and get a listing and they know how to look at the financials and go, okay, it's a sellable business. But when the due diligence comes down, you know, for anybody and there's a problem, they basically tell the owner, you got a problem, you got to solve that or we can't sell it. And 
rarely is the person who caused the problem the person who's able to solve it, right? It's usually, they usually need an outside set of eyes and an outside um, hand in solving something they created, especially if they've created over five years, 10 years, 30 years of running the business. Well, also, once when you run your own business, you've got a problem of one business because that's what you've been doing for 20, 30 years. Uh, if you find a broker that's experienced, like I can't tell you, I mean, every day I find something new, but, but the amount of the issues or problems or, <laughs> or, or, or messed up situation that, that we came across, it, it, it's huge. And there's always a solution. There's always a solution. You just get a, an experience that you've seen something similar in the past. It helps you to suggest and point people in the right, right direction. Not necessarily we can resolve every issue, but we know where we can find people that can resolve those type of issues so we can actually continue with this. You mentioned something about a large amount of businesses not selling with the brokers. I, I challenge that a little bit in terms of why they don't sell. And from what I've seen over the years, main issue is overpricing businesses. It's not finding a... Everything is sellable and everything's got the right price. But what people try to do is to, to overvalue the business, thinking, well, I gotta leave some room, some room for negotiation. Like running joke is fastest way to uh, uh, value the business is ask the owner what he wants and then they half it. <laughs> it's very accurate. <laughs> so, but, but here's the deal, all right? If I've got a $3 million business and I'm trying to sell it for $6 million, person that's looking for $3 million business won't even call me because it's $6 million business. I can't afford it. The uh, person that looks at a $6 million business is just going to walk away because it's the, when you're dreaming, all right? So you're, you're either not serious about selling, and even if you're serious, you're asking $6 million for something that's with, they won't even offer you $3 million because they don't want to insult you, all right? Now, put a broker into the mix and over the time, they learn that that's the case. So easiest way to actually <laughs> get a deal from you is to tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to know. So if you tell me that you got a $6 million business, I just got to say, confirm, of course, I can sell this for $6 million and I get paid for it, some money, all right? So, so it creates this moral hazard. And, but it's counterintuitive when the broker comes in and says, look, you actually don't have a $6 million business and you've got the $3 million business and going for $6 million on the market is just going to damage your chances of selling because what happens, you're going to stay too long and it, then the business becomes a stale and then you're going to, if people see business on the market that's been advertised for more than a year, first thing that they think is, what's wrong with it, all right? Why hasn't it sold? So when the broker tells you that as the owner, you actually don't like them <laughs> because they, they're valuing down your assets. But, but they're actually the, guy, the, 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 the person that really has got a, your best interest in mind and telling you what you want. Like if I go to the doctor and something's wrong with me, I don't want him to sugarcoat it, tell me what it is and let's get on with it. Similar here, you need a good diagnosis and the price is the big problem in all of this, all right? And I can't tell you how many times happened to us that we lost a deal because we didn't think it's worth uh, uh, what, what they think that they're selling. Then they try some, a year and a half later, they come back to us. And then in a very short period of time, we have a buyer, we do the deal. So, so the, the valuation is really important, which is another 
different skill to everything that we talked about. You need to know how to value the businesses. It's interesting. Um, here, you know, here in the United States, I've, I've went to two or three, actually three now, different mentors where I learned uh, acquisitions and mergers. When I decided I wanted to move from real estate to mergers and acquisitions, I thought, well, I'm just going to go do what I did in the real estate. I, after I learned a few deals in real estate, I realized that the best way to learn this is to tag along with somebody that's done it. So I hired a couple of different mentors and they, they two out of the three said, don't ever talk to a broker. And the reason in it, the reason is, is they're always overpriced and, and the broker kind of gets in the way of the deal. And the reason they, they think they're overpriced, and I get this, is I'm a business owner. I go to broker number one and I want a million dollars for my $500,000 business, right? And I go in there and he goes, yeah, yeah, I can get you a million dollars. I either let him list it, which is wrong because it's not worth that. You know, it's a $500,000 business and uh, I want a million. So that he said yes. Or... I go to him and he says, ah, you know, I can get you a million dollars if that's what you want. We can do this. And he goes, you know, I've already scheduled two or three other appointments. I go to business broker number two and I said, hey, the last guy said you can get me a million dollars. It's kind of where I want. What's your valuation on my business? And he goes, I can get you 1.25. And by the time he gets to you know, guy three, it's 1.5 million. Now you got a business listed for 1.5 million. It's worth probably 500 to 800,000, right? And it never sells, and the business owner doesn't know why, right? And when when they when I get a hold of some of these guys because they reach out to me, I think I've been with a broker for a long time. They don't sell. Uh, I use fairly simplistic uh, models, kind of the, the evaluation models of multiples, just to start off with. And then we later on we go, and I can tell them right off the bat most of the time. It's just because your your price is really high, uh, unless you've got something I just can't see. You know, you can't, if you got a business making under a million dollars and you're wanting a 6X multiple and your, your, your seller's discretionary earnings, not in most industries, it's just not going to work. Right. And, um, so that's, that's kind of why they, they tell us to shy away from it. But I, you know, there needs to be more brokers like yourself that just stand up and go, Hey, the proper valuation for your business is X. Uh, I'll list it if that's what you want me to do. But if not, then good luck with the other guys. And when they can't sell it, come back and talk to me. <laughs> right. Uh, look, they are, they are, and, and that was my thought when I started the business. Oh, look, everybody is going the wrong way about it, but, but, but that's not necessarily the case. So what happens, a lot of large organizations go that way about it because it's run by agency model, all right? So you're the broker, I give you the card, world is your oyster, and you got to go and fend for yourself there. <laughs> you got to do best you can. And you learn very quickly that the fastest way to earn money here or to get a listings is to tell people what they want to hear. So there's no, there's no control. There's no quality control at the back. And that's really hard to scale. It's possible, but a lot of them don't do it right. So smaller brokers in general do much better job in valuing business because they don't want 20, 30 businesses. They want five and they want to sell those five. All right. So they can't afford to actually say, no, well, this is how everything works. There's no internal competition and everything else. And, but what happens when you're selling with a smaller broker, they normally don't have as, as large market as somebody larger. So there's a lot wrong in the industry. For example, most of the payment comes in as a success fee, as a commission on the end. All right. So uh, broker takes on the business, doesn't charge you anything. It's only going to get pay, uh, uh, paid if, if, if you sell. So as a seller, you think this is really good deal because it's going to work hard. But the broker thinks, well, I don't have to work hard. You can pay anything. 
<laughs> so when you go and complain, what are you complaining about? You paid me nothing. So, so well, you, you got the equivalent uh, value of work uh, or service for, 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 for no payment. And so, 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 so the, the, some sort of hybrid model works best, but it's really hard to do it. And so the industry innovates. I mean, it changed so much in 18 years since I was there. Now, um, a lot of, uh, if I go back even 10 years ago, a lot of these guys, uh, family offices, uh, mergers acquisition guys, would not talk to the brokers. Uh, are you there? I, I lost you there for a second. Um, yeah, so so uh, wouldn't, wouldn't even talk to the brokers. And uh, But now it's different because they're figuring out that certain brokers got a good deals and they're coming to them and they actually like having a brokers on, on, on the other end. Because as you can see, we understand, like we're talking here, we understand each other. So I'm not going to call you unless I've got something that fits what you're looking for. Because what's the point? You're just going to waste time and you're never going to listen to me again. All right. So if I call and said, Ron, I've got a deal. I know what you're looking for. It's very well priced. And there's a couple of issues in the business we can overcome and this is the deal that we're looking for i interested yes or no and it makes your job much easier because the deals are not com coming to you but 10 years ago that wasn't happening in australia last five years i mean our list of of merger acquisition guys people uh yeah call themselves um, different types of investments or whatever that, that is family offices uh, businesses that are looking to expand and uh, like on our list it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger accountants starting to listen to to us because you know like you go to specialists you know what the deal is but the secret to good business broking practice is advice from the very beginning make sure that you do the work and if you lose you, you have to say no to the deals you have to say we, we say probably no to nine in, well maybe eight eight in ten and main issue is either how they want to go about selling a business, but the main issue is price. Yeah, I want $3 million and without $3 million, no exiting. Well, it's not $3 million business, so can't help you. It's interesting. <clears throat> I've talked to business owners, and uh, if they call me off of an ad or if I call them because I, I see and they ran an ad somewhere or you know, for, somebody introduced me to them, you know, when, when a business owner, like the very first thing they'll often do is like, look, uh, I heard you buy businesses. If you're not, I'm, I'm interested in selling my business. I'm looking for 2 million. If you're not like, you know, interested, if you don't think that's in your ballpark, we're just wasting time. And my number one response is, okay, well, let's just see how we can get you there. <coughs> right. I already know that half the time, or I'd say way more than half the time, most of the time we, we can't get them there just because their, their business isn't worth that. But until I see the inside of the business, that's the only thing I can say is like, great, let's see how we can get you there. You know? And uh, a lot of times my answer is run it for five more years, double your revenue, and then I'll pay you that for it. You're not there yet. <laughs> if you want to sell it now, you, this is the best I can do. Right. If you can fix X, Y, Z and double your revenue. Now we're at your number where you want to be. And I'm still interested at that level too. Um, so and look, that, that, that comes from the wrong advice on their end, all right? Mm -hmm. So you got to look at why people are selling a businesses. Less than 20% of businesses that are sold, at least in our books, are sold because people are retiring, all right? So normally what happens is something happens in your business or something happens in your life that forces your hand on selling a business. 
Uh, big one is a move, change, like you're going from one state to another, or you're moving, or your wife had enough of this, or your husband uh, uh, changed the career and you're following your husband, whatever it is, all right? Uh, or, or something happened within a business and often would be, well, I got two parts of the business and one got so much bigger. This one is still good, but it's not our core business, so we're going to offload it and sell it. Uh, and what, what happens, you need a good advice on that. So it's not what you need to get out of it, but before you make a decision to go on the market, you really need to know realistically what somebody's going to pay for it. And then make a decision. <laughs> what happens? People normally make a decision, and then look for somebody who's going to fulfill what they need. But and and a lot of these businesses that that, that owner that come to you and said, "Look, I, I want to sell a business for two million, and if you can't get there, and he ends up getting a million dollars." Another another reason why they do that because they think that's a good way to negotiate. <laughs> you don't grow your business by overpaying for the assets. You want to pay fair, fair market price, all right? right? So sometimes it's much better for you to wait. Yeah. Like a lot of the business owners, like you'll ask them, well, how did you come up with that number? And it's nothing to do with their business. At least, at least the ones I've talked to here locally. It's like, well, how did you, how did you evaluate your business and think it's worth a million bucks? Well, that's what I need to retire and I'm ready to retire. Okay, that has nothing to do with like the performance of your business, how well it's run, how well it's managed. It has a lot to do with your personal side. And it's, it's amusing. Some of these guys have run their business for 30 years, 40 years, and they still haven't separated personal wants and needs with what the business is actually worth. So do you come across that also? or All, all the time. But, but, but that's, that's just a lack of information. All right, mm -hmm. lack of trusted source of information. So I remember twenty odd years ago, I, I had a, I had a, I had a coach, business coach, and one of the first meetings, and he said, "Listen, you know how the coaches do it. Like we're going to do it in a one year time, three year time, five year times, five year, five years time." And and he goes, how, "How's your business going to look like? How many people are you going to employ? How much is going to be worth?" And that's the first time that I got exposed to value of the business. And I, could, I had no idea how much my business is worth. And I remember that, and it refreshed my memory because I got into this type of line of work later. But that was the only time that we mentioned that. So until I sold business, there was no any conversation about the value of the business. And in fact, when I started selling my first business, I had no idea how, my, how the business is valued. It's not something that you get exposed and it's not really important to you. When you're running a business, I, 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 I read in so many books and I heard so many times, you should start thinking of selling your business the moment you start it. No one does that. <laughs> when I start a business, I just want to stay afloat, all right? I want to pay that bill. I don't want to go broke. That's, a, <laughs> that's, that's my goal for the first three years. And then the business grows and then I'm, I'm growing a business and then business starts making money and then I'm enjoying the money the business is making. We ask questions such as, have you had the business professionally valued? And that makes them think, well, what's professional valuation and how does that work? Because the value of the business doesn't come just from your business, but it comes from what buyer can do with that money elsewhere. All right. So I don't have to buy the business. I, I could invest in real estate. I could invest in Bitcoin, whatever, whatever I want to do at the time. All right. So, so, so the, the wide uh, investment market dictates the price or range of the business. Then with that, the range quality of your business uh, points out, are you on towards a lower to higher end? All right. 
So good conversation with the business owner uh, uh, will help. Now, where the business owner's got a problem is the bias of the advisor that they're talking to. So if they go and often they go to their accountant and their accountant often overvalues the business because it doesn't want to damage the client. He's afraid of you know making a mistake. So he figures, well, if the business is worth $2 million and I tell him it's $3 million, he sells us for $2 million, no one's going to sue me. But if I tell you it's worth $1 million and you sell it for two, well, no one's going to sue you because you sell it for $2 million. But that's what they're thinking that's going to happen. So what happens, often they overvalue the business as well. So it's really hard for any business owner to get a, a really good advice at the beginning of the process. By the time they sell the business or get to the end, they've got a really good idea what's worth. All right, but by that time it's often too late. A lot of damage was done at the beginning. So business broker advising the client at the beginning, and he wants to give him a right advice, often comes against that barrier of or, or, or issue when I'm telling you that what you built over 20 or 30 years, it's nowhere near as worth as what you think. And ability to deliver that in accurate way. In, but also in such a way that the owner's going to say, okay, actually, this makes sense. It, it's make or break. It's a, it's, a, it's a golden point in business sales. If you go to look, even if a business owner wanted to do the research and decided to jump on and start Googling how to value my business, it, the, the, the Ivy League schools here teach anywhere from, a, I think it's between 140 and 150 different valuation models. There are entire courses on Udemy and, and other websites out there that all, you know, it's 40 hours worth of coursework on how to do business valuation. And the chances are, as a buyer like myself or other, you know, guys in the M&A field, we, we have our own models we look at, right? We have things that we've adopted. And, um, you know, I, is there a right answer? You know, if you do the math on a bunch of them, uh, there's a range. A lot of them will fall within the same like a general range. I don't think they're, they're really disparaging like between the two, but if you were just a business owner and go, okay, I'm tired, I'm tired. I want to retire. Or I got this new opportunity. I want to get out of the business or I'm going through a divorce and I have to sell. What's my business worth? And like you Google how to value my business. You could get lost in a rabbit hole of days and still not be able to come up with a number that is going to be representative of what a buyer will actually pay because of all the different models out there and how complex they are. Uh, I don't think you can do it. If you've never done it before without anyone's help, you can't do it. Um, I'm registered as a business valuer with the Australian Institute of Business Brokers. And there was a 80 hour course with another 40 hour assignment, so 120 hours. But the prerequisite for this is five years in the industry. And I remember years ago when I've done a course, I wasn't that good. As a value, it took me like three to five years. So, so it took me about a good 10 years in the industry before I could actually <laughs> value the businesses. Now, uh, for, for, for the business owner who wants to sell a business who's getting divorced and he needs to know how much is a business worth, to actually go and do the course and value themselves, it's, it's crazy stuff, all right? right. It's like... I want to build a house, so I'm going to become an architect. You just don't do that. <laughs> you just call the architect and, and you trust them. So the, 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 the trick is to find a good value. The trick is to find a good advisor who's going to lead you through the process. And good advisor 
I don't have a formula. How do you know what's a good advisor? All right. Like, does your gut feeling work? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. There's some sort of, uh, you know, slow system to analyze. It may work, may not going to work. Um, we, you mentioned something about 120 or whatever the number was, different valuation models. You do need to look at a few valuation models to, to actually um, understand the valuation. So, so you got to look at your business and you got to look at the return on investment. Then one thing that I like doing is a comparable sales. All right. So let's have a look at the five or six or 10 or five or three or whatever number of businesses they have sold, that we, that we got accurate data that we can trust. And let's compare those businesses to yours. Then, then, then let's look at the asset method. And then on the end, you come to some sort of conclusion based on informed decision and understanding what's happening on the market, what people are paying and why. And you can actually explain that to people. Uh, but the process is to, to, to really value business accurately, normally takes us about 40 hours. So it's a whole week work that works. So I, I really got to do go through some pre-due diligence. I got to ask a lot of questions. And and a lot of stuff is not a financial stuff. It's not what it, what it shows on the bottom line, but the risk associated with generating this bottom line. So what happens if you go, if the business owner goes through the process, not just given report to read on the end, but if the business owner is part of the process, by the end of that process, in, in five or six days, they actually understand. And look, business owners are smart people. I mean, it's not easy to run a business these days. Like, you know, it was never, never easy. And it's getting more and more complex. Not, not easy. I mean, you're doing podcasts. I'm doing podcasts. Like, you, you can't even employ people to do online marketing for you. You need five people to do online marketing. That's how complex it is. So, so these people know. They understand stuff. So, so, so when the business owner goes through five days of process they actually arrive themselves to understanding of where the value is and i think that's the way to go about it so don't just ask people for the number but be the part of the process so you're going to be much better and even if you decide not to sell you'll know now where the value drivers in your business are and where the risk issues are so you can actually address them so improve the business and you're going to know realistically what's what's doable, what's not doable. I've seen a lot of advisors coming in and said, look, you got a business and it's three times and we're going to show you how to do it six or seven times. And I can tell you it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you first, first of all, it's not that easy. All right. Okay. So, so, second, second of all, like if you want to improve the value of the business, you're going to improve the profitability. What, what do you think? This guy didn't want to improve the profitability for the last 20 years. <laughs> he just wanted to run the business. Well. And, and, and these multipliers, to, to double the multipliers in, in 12 months, it's impossible. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. In, in, in close to 20 years, I haven't seen it once. So, so be very careful. If, if it's too good to be true. <laughs> Even inside of that, there's, there's just an immense amount of work, you know, uh, you know, the advisors we brought in to, to, to do that type of work are guys that have done it 10 times. They charge $5,000 an hour to walk in the door. Right. And, um, you know, they're getting it done. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I do agree that it's, it's next to impossible. If you think you're going to, you know, that's an interesting thing you brought up too, because a lot of guys buy businesses with the thing that they have this illusion that, yeah, this guy's been running it for 20 years, but he missed this key element and I'm going to double that business in the next two years. And it's possible, but not probable, right? But unless you're bolting on 
something to an existing customer base where you have a deep relationship and, you know, they'll pretty much buy anything. You just want to stick in front of them. It's not going to happen. And uh, mm-hmm. so. And, and we also always overestimate what we can do in short period of time and underestimate what we can do in long period of time. Look back, back, back on the on the selling uh, uh, part of businesses and, <clears throat> and the brokers when you said a lot of brokers don't sell it. You know, I have some friends that are business brokers are just starting <laughs> out and there's a, I'm sure there's people listening to this, to this that think that uh, I have a lot of contacts in the mergers and acquisition space. They're just, you know, these, a lot of these guys are just getting into it. They just, they've taken a course somewhere, maybe they're real estate investors or they're business owners and they want to get into to buying businesses to grow theirs, to grow through acquisitions and mergers or something. If you're looking at buying a business brokerage and or thinking of becoming a business broker, what would be your key advice to somebody that's just like just getting into this industry? Um, what would you, I mean, how, how do they, uh, okay, how do they start? So, like so many different ways to start, but focus on quality, focus on delivery the results. All right. Don't worry too much about volumes or anything like that, but each client that you're in front of there from the beginning to the end, you got to focus on, on, on delivering results. Deliver the, the accurate information about the valuation. If you're not certain, well, do the courses. Find people that can help you. Pay people that are going to do it for you. Uh, then, then once we start selling businesses, th- there's only three ways to find a buyer for the business. All right. So you can either be already on your database uh, you can advertise that business or you can directly approach people in the industry. There's a few others, but they are like marginal, so they're not worth mentioning. So these are the three most common ways of finding a buyer for the business. So whatever your system is for selling businesses, have to incorporate all three, all right? So you got to build your database over a period of time. you got to have a good way of marketing that business. But you have to actively look for the buyer. So if, uh, I don't know, you're, 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 I'm selling a marketing agency, it makes sense that I'm going to go onto LinkedIn and make a list of every single marketing agency in the area that I'm targeting and I get on the phone and start calling these people. All right, that, There's no easy way about it. And sometimes you've got to make 20 calls before you get to the right person, but you just got to keep on doing it. Marketing is also not that easy because how you market a business and what information goes into this advertising piece it's really important because it can either entice people to call or entice them to dismiss uh, your, 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 your communication altogether. You and can then also cause the, it can also cause yeah. a, a disruption in the business, right? I, uh, I've had a couple of business uh, owners call me and go, hey, my business broker listed my business. My employees found it online and I've losing employees. Uh, you know, I see that you're willing to buy businesses fairly quick. What's your timeline? I was like, well, in the business buying world, fairly quick, 60 to 90 days in most cases. I still have to do a lot of accounting. I mean, that's fast, like accounting, due diligence, looking at stuff. You know, I'm not going to come do a drive-by, walk through your business and write you a check if that's what you're thinking, especially if you're having an exodus, right? So I can get that what's being advertised is critical. And, you know, the first thing I always ask the business owners, why weren't you open with the business, you know, with the employees to start with? Right. I mean, if you'd have had that conversation before you listed it out in the public, you wouldn't have had this problem. Uh, so, 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 look, I missed a little bit because connection wasn't that good. But like we're talking about confidentiality and what you do uh, about, look, first of all, you can't sell a secret. All right. So and, and there's always there's always uh, danger that 
people are gonna find out that you don't want them to find out that the business is for sale. But okay, I've been doing this for 18 years. And twice in these 18 years, we had a serious breach of confidentiality that, some, that, 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 that somebody found out that we really didn't want to find out that the business is for sale. So twice, all right, we, we deal with about 200 sales a year. In both of the cases, there was no damage done to the business. Like, so, so, so a lot of this fee of that confidentiality is in the owner's head. It's us selling a business, being worried, what if? Most of the fee is a, is a time travel that we think something in the future is going to happen that's going to damage us, but actually that doesn't happen. And honestly, I can tell you, in, in 18, 20 years, never had any, any serious uh, problems. I did have a people that find out that the business for sale and they quit in the midst of the due diligence. We had a general manager leave because he, he felt that he should have been part of it. And, and we still managed to do the deal, find a new general manager and, and, and do the deals. You brought up a good, a, a good statement in there, the what if. Um, I've also noticed that when people are trying to self-value their business, they include a little bit too much what if, right? If I hadn't lost this client, I'd be at a million dollars in revenue. Then I would be worth this. You could go get that client back and then you're worth that. I want this for my business. And they're selling the whole business on this prospectus or this future thing is, if they hadn't have lost that big client or if they had gained that client and they think you can, so they want the price as if, as if they're already there, right? So the what if comes into play. But what I was saying is the what if comes in play on both sides, right? When somebody's trying to figure out like, you know, what they want to sell their business for, uh, that conversation where you're getting into knowing where they're at and what their business is worth, that what if comes up quite a bit. I never totally discount it. I always say, great, if you get them back, we'll, we'll add that in. Right. Or, or if we get them back together, you know, we'll add that in. And uh, there's a lot of ways. And that, that goes to what we talked about at the beginning, that problem solving. All right. Look, you know, I, I want to buy the clients. So if you can get me more clients, I've got no problem paying extra for the clients. Right. Um, so, so but, but help me help me win that client. You know, let, 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 let's get it because that's why I'm buying a business. Yeah. Look, so so from, from the buyer's point of view, if you find the people, I, I I often, you know, buyers are talking to us and said, look, you know, how do I find a good business? Well, first of all, if you're looking to spend a million dollars, start looking at the business of $2 million because we, we just talked about it. Most of them are overpriced. Then find a $2 million business and, you know, put, a, put the offer in. And if they tell you where to go, just monitor it. And all of a sudden... Uh, six to 12 months down the track, your million dollar potential, you know, soft offer becomes very attractive. Uh, don't, don't try to do that with our clients because we know the trick, all right? So we all, we'll just say, no, we're going to sell it to somebody for what we're advertising. Uh, of, look, most of the businesses, if advertised correctly and priced correctly, will sell without any negotiation on the price. Uh, actually, a little bit over. So that, that pricing is the most important thing in selling a business. Get it right, market it right, help people buy. So don't be, well, take it or leave it. Help them buy. See what issues they got and help them go back up. And you're going to do the deal like this. Most of the deals that we do, it, it, we find the buying in matter of days. Like matter of days, literally matter of days. 10, 25 days, all right? It takes a little bit longer to get them across the line because, you know, a lawyer's getting involved or you know, accountants get involved, business partners, banks get involved, 
mothers, fathers, aunties, everybody gets you all, <laughs> and you're going to satisfy them all as you're going through the process. But, but, but finding a buyer and agreeing on the price, it's very, very fast if the price is right. So we're coming up to the top of the hour. One of the questions I always like to ask is, if you could step into my shoes and you were interviewing me, what questions should I have asked? Of the important points, uh, I think, look, I would ask what's the most important message that you got for selling, when people selling your businesses. Uh, so if you, if you were to ask me then, I would answer, my answer would be just make sure that the business is priced accurately from day one. Priced accurately from day one. And uh, as a buyer, I would say make sure you have your paperwork ready. Or I, I mean, I, I, need to, I need to see the numbers, the accounting, the uh, profit and loss statements, your bank statements, your tax return. There's a lot of stuff I got to see to help me understand that that price is, is that price during the due diligence. And I've come up with a price on a business, got a business owner agree to it and get into the numbers and they just don't have their accounting clean enough to, to justify, you know, it, it looks right. I can see the deposits going into the bank, but their accounting such a mess. You know, I'm gonna have to have a forensic, forensic accountant tear it apart and put it back together in order for it to be legal for me to run it. So each jurisdiction, each part of the world, even here in Australia, different states got a different way of going about it. Um, they all got different ways that they're trying to overcome these issues with selling the businesses. And, you know, like smaller businesses here, you have to have a, some ways called Form 2, some other states called Form 6, which if your business got a revenue less than 300, your, your accountant has to do prepare the figures and sign them off. All right? But... And then the larger businesses, uh, I think it's uh, revenue 20 or 50 million in Australia. Uh, regardless, even if you're not a listed company, you have to have audits done on, on the annual basis. That stuff in between that we operate in is <laughs> the hardest one. But even that, like, I mean, like you say, the owner can do a lot to actually put that in order and just make sure that it's up to date and, and accessible when you need it. Because... If you're buying a business and you're about to spend $3 million of real money, all right, because you probably won't borrow against that because the bank won't take that as a, as a security. So you have to have a, either equity elsewhere or $3 million in cash. Don't expend that somebody, expect that somebody's just going to hand it over. Right? They want to make sure that the promise, your promise that this works and operates and generates this profit, works and there's there's nothing wrong with them really pulling everything apart and satisfying themselves and don't think that they don't trust you and they shouldn't trust you all right they just met you all right and you got inherently every reason to tell them what they want to hear all right so they want to satisfy themselves so don't exaggerate the, the the stuff tell people the way the, the way it is and give them opportunity to actually confirm that for themselves and uh, look um, average business for us sells about in 200 days. So that's from the beginning to the end. So you come and see us today and say, look, I'm thinking of selling a business. And until we have a money in the bank, you can count on 200 days. You can do it earlier. It can take it longer. All right. That's a, that's an interesting thing. Uh, I've never, I do a lot of real estate and we always track kind of the days on mark or average days on market. I've never thought about that inside of the business, uh, you know, buying and selling businesses is what is the average days on market for a business out there? Uh, so 200 seems re reasonable because of the, the extra paperwork and due diligence and, you know, 
you're not buying a house that's sticking there and it's going to be that way. You know, you're buying and a, a business, a system, a process, uh, human resources, people, uh, workers, and their personalities and the culture and the values of the company. And with, it takes more than, you know, 30, 60, 90 days to sort all that out and make sure it's something that aligns with and, what you're looking for. So, And two to three quarters of this time, it's actually getting the deal across the line, not finding a buyer. So, so the buyer is very often finding this first, you know, 50 days mm -hmm. and then the, the rest 150 days, it's overcoming those obstacles, uh, contracting everything, doing a due diligence, addressing the issues. Um, what we talked about, having this information together from the very beginning and realistic price will help you reduce this time, which means less chance of something popping up that's going to derail the deal. All right. So you really, really have to be ready and organized at the very, very beginning. Finding a buyer is easy, and then you work really hard to close that deal. So there are two distinct parts. One is finding a buyer. The other one is getting them across the line. But before that finding a buyer, what you, get, what you need for this second part, which is getting the deal across the line, you have to do a lot of preparation, a lot of organization, and have everything ready. And then it's a breeze, and it's much nicer experience as well. It could be sometimes it ends up being a stressful. It's it's not because of the business; it's because of the people buying the seller, and depending on what you, <laughs> what type of personality you're dealing with, it can be either really, really enjoyable process, but often it's a very, very stressful process, and it doesn't have to be. How should they reach you? Well, look, anybody, we've got a few brands, so we, we cover pretty, pretty much everything from very small businesses to, to about you know, $20 million deals. Uh, the best way to find us, just look us up. It's exclusive business sales, and it's spelled X-C-L-L-U-S-I-V-E dot uh, com.au. And uh, just just contact us. There's a lot of phone numbers, a lot of email addresses and everything else. You, you, you'll be put to the right person, and, and we'll take care of it. It doesn't matter if you got a... If you just need a business valuation, you need a certified business valuation, then business is not selling because you're selling, you know, passing on to your family or you've got a uh, family court or anything like that. Or if you're selling a business and you want to sell the business, um, you know, give us a call and we'll we'll see how we can help. Uh, if you're a buyer, call, register on our database and tell us what you're looking for. And next time when, when we've got a business that matches your criteria, we'll be on the phone to you and say, hey, we've got something that could be of interest to you. We do have a little office in Hawaii. So if you're listening to this from Hawaii, we're starting a little experiment in Hawaii. It's going very well. We, we, we got a presence in Hawaii and we're seriously thinking of uh, putting some offices in the United States. We're going to do some, uh, uh, some, some serious research this year and see if we, if we can make it work in the States. Okay, cool. So if you're looking to uh, sell a business brokerage here in the United States, uh, I definitely think you should reach out to him. Or if you've got one and it's not working the way you want to, you've got some revenue coming in, I, I would reach out. All right. If you guys want to contact me, I'm on LinkedIn. It's the fastest way to get a hold of me. It's LinkedIn, uh, Ronald Skelton. So it's actually uh, Ron Skelton on there. I put the URL on the, on the screen. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. I'll put a... Uh, Zoran's, uh, I'll, I'll put your contact information inside of the show notes. I'll have my, uh, my podcast uh, person do that for me so people can reach there. And uh, yeah, so let's wrap this show up. I thank you for being on it and hang out for a few minutes after I stop the, uh, the stream and we'll, we'll, we'll 
share information. All right. So Thanks, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, see you next time. The Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind. The Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind combines the traditional peer-to-peer mastermind introduced first in Napoleon Hill's famous book, Think and Grow Rich, with accountability partnering where your peers help you ensure that you set goals, take actions, and get results. If you want to scale, blow past roadblocks, and achieve success faster than you might think is possible, I suggest you take a visit over to TIEPM.com. That's T I E. PM.com and check out the Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind.